Hello, everybody. This is Erica. This is Shari. And this is April. And you are now listening to Three Sykes and a Mic. Just as a disclaimer, although the contents of this show may be educational and therapeutic in nature, this should not be considered a replacement for therapy with a licensed professional. If you would like more information on how you can find a therapist in your area, please contact us on social media. All right, ladies. Well, we are back. How's everyone doing this evening? I'm doing good. Doing good. Doing well. All right. Well, April's looking good, looking off the drugs. You've been on drugs for the past two, two, and two, two on on now I'm on migraine drugs. Right. So it, it appears that everyone is in good health and good spirits. So that leads us right into our first segment of grateful. What are you grateful for or and or what got through <laughs> this week? Um, who wants to jump us off first? April looked like she got something to say. I just remembered that you said something that jogged my memory. So I am grateful for live music. I finally got to see Tweet um, live. Last weekend at the seventh Sunday event in Columbia, the Sneaker and Frames Gala, um, and Tweet re-shared or shared my story to her Instagram page. So we're besties now. <laughs> so that got me through. Um, and had a chance to go to New Orleans this past weekend for a conference, and it was amazing. I love New Orleans. I tried to, I tried to like intentionally miss my flight. <laughs> you, you gonna be like a New Orleans stowaway? <laughs> yeah, at, at the hotel chilling. Like, what room is she in? <laughs> keep changing rooms every day. <laughs> that sounds nice. I wish I could get away to New Orleans. I haven't been. In a long time, so that would be really nice. Yeah, we should do a tour. I know April was like, we should do like a food tour down mm-hmm. there. Cool. That would be fun. Yes. Nice. Well, yeah, that's a cool, grateful April. Um, I was there with April C tweet, so it was a really, really good concert. So that was really nice. Um I guess one of my gratefuls, um, I'm currently on like my first trip with my new team. Um, so like my first business trip, I guess you could say. Um, so my grateful is for like nice, quiet hotels because I'm tired and it's quiet and it's like so peaceful. Um, so that's kind of my grateful for this week. I was trying to I work through the weekend so that I could be here this week so that's the thing that got me through knowing that I would have a hotel room because I'm a hotel fiend I really like them (laughs) (laughs) right Shari you did work this weekend I remember uh, I think I called you or texted you and you were like I'm just leaving work and I was like okay I know my weeks are really messed up but I think today is Saturday yeah. Was it Sunday? It, it was it was Saturday and then I went in again on Sunday for a little bit. Okay. Yeah. It's cuz I had 2 weeks off cuz last week I was on jury duty. Yeah. And that was a whole experience. So I'm also grateful that that ended. Um that was the experience. And then this week I'm off like I'm out of town so I had to work on the weekend to make up Kind of leverage um, sometimes. So, meh, wasn't too bad though. It was quiet. The hospital's very quiet when no one else is there. So it was good. Here, here. Yeah. Yeah. It sounds a little creepy, but okay. Well, the good thing is, you know, you locked in, you locked in through multiple doors. So, you know, if somebody does something to you, somebody that works there, and, you know, the government is tracking your every move. Once you were in a government facility. So, yeah, 
just know if I wind up dead, it was not suicide. <laughs> that took a turn. <laughs> that took a big turn, right? <laughs> so, yeah. So, for the listeners, I'm always like, y'all, I'm probably going to be like, something going to happen. And I'm going to be somewhere, <laughs> somewhere dead. Like, I've got a lot of anxiety around that. So, just know. <laughs> Alrighty, well, <laughs> <laughs> went from grateful to oh Lord. I'm sorry, one more. <laughs> I got one more. I'm grateful for the eye candy and bad boys for life. Yes, won't spoil it, but man, there was the oof, like, I yeah, bad boy. It was a bad boy, and I'm I would be down for life. It was so funny because April kept sitting, but April was sitting beside me. She kept saying, Well, he looks nice. (laughs) (laughs) He he looks, that's a good looking young man. (laughs) Well, that rolls me right into my grateful and saying, I am grateful that me and my fiance did not get a chance to go see that this weekend because I probably would have been totally disrespectful um if the eye candy is how you (laughs) say it is so um that will be my one grateful and i'm also grateful for having in-home washer and dryer as Um, i sit under this pile of laundry that is on my bed and instead of complaining i am saying i am grateful that i did not have to go down to a cold basement to wash my laundry because we've been looking at houses and there's been homes with the laundry in the garage and finished basements. And so as I'm laying here and looking at my unfolded laundry, I am going, you know what? I am grateful that I can do my laundry in the warmth and comfort of my home. That's grateful. That's real. That's real. Because when I first moved in, I didn't have um, a washer and dryer for like the first like two months or so. And that laundromat life, I am not about it. Not the about wa- it. The <laughs> Is that what it, the washeteria? The yeah, the washeteria. <laughs> the washeteria. <laughs> I'm not about that life. (laughs) Definitely about laundry room life. (laughs) Well, it's different when you got the laundry room connected to your apartment. So that's totally different than city laundry room down the street, around the corner. Yeah, no, I had one I would go to all the time when I was over in the worst apartments in the world. Um, (laughs) But I knew the day to go. And like, like it's weird because you do develop a rotation and I knew the security, you know, do pretty well and they kept it monitored. So I got to the point where we get comfortable enough. I would like set my timer, go home, come back about 10, 15 minutes before it finished. And my stuff would be still there. And I didn't do that too often, but mm-hmm. there was some. One day, I think Walking Dead was coming on. I was like, I got to go home. I'll be back. <laughs> I did find a really cool laundromat where you could leave your, like you just drop it off. They wash it for you, unfold it, and then you just pick it up. See, I don't, I don't want anybody touching my underwear. Um, I don't, I, ooh, I don't, maybe I could just not bring it. Yeah, you could wash your own underwear. Okay. All right. We are so off topic. Okay. Um, we done talked about underwear we done talked about lord no we are so off topic (laughs) so um speaking of off topic (laughs) so today's media minute uh a story that recently popped up on my timeline today so it's fairly new and um erica shared it as well to our group is a young man in texas who is faced with the choice of possibly not being allowed to graduate or participate in his commencement ceremonies because his dreadlocks violates the school policy. Um, and as it's written, the school board, <clears throat> excuse me, the dress code 
states that hair can't be past a certain length or past a certain number of inches. And I remember this from from my when I was in school. I think boys' hair couldn't go past their shoulders. Mm. And um, there are a lot of protesters at the school board meeting yesterday to support the young man. There were a few, according to the article, there are a handful of people that supported the school's decision. And the school superintendent is saying that the, saying that the rule or the enforcement of the rule is not racist or discriminatory, citing that he can have dreads and he can have cornrows. <clears throat> he just can't have them past a certain length. So it begs the question of, again, the policing of blackness and how so many of these rules, especially with dress codes, were not created with us in mind and are just plain outdated. Mm-hmm. Like you are a white kid or non-black kid, what does it matter if your hair, if you're a male or a male-identified person, what does it matter if your hair is past your shoulders? Right, and uh, I, I, you know, as you said that, I was like, so let's just say that this is a situation where it's for male students. So now, I mean, does it make it any better that okay, maybe it's not racist, it's just sexist, like. Yeah. Yeah. If either way, it should not be allowed to stand. Yeah. And how like, is that an indicator of any like academic like ability, like this young man's hair and them saying, Oh, well, he won't be able to graduate? Like what where's the correlation in that? Like it just doesn't it doesn't connect. Yeah, it becomes a power struggle. Yeah. Yeah, it definitely does. And I think, you know, with dress codes and like you were saying, just like policing of black bodies and the power that comes, the power dynamic that comes along with the things that as black people, um, the way that we move and be in the world and how the power dynamics of, well, you can't do this or you can't wear your hair natural or you can't wear your hair long or your shorts will look differently on you. So you can't wear this, but other people can. And it's just it. it I don't see many times where dress codes are called into question enough you're we're starting to see it a little bit more especially like in military culture and things of that nature um or even in like business um offices with natural hair policies and things like that but it's not being called into question enough and i think that's something that really needs to like we need to put some fuel to it mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. definitely and shout out to the young man and his family for staying sticking behind him and saying, like, no, we're not cutting his for and for what? Like you were saying, like this has no reflection, it's not interrupting the school day. Now you're interrupting, you know, the educational process. But it just it's a, a reminder that we have to start questioning these traditions and stop doing stuff and agreeing to things just because they've always been done. So the fact that the superintendent is like, well, this has been a policy for 30 years or more. Okay, well, then maybe it's time to revisit it. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Let's, yeah. let's revisit it as to what difference does it make the length of his hair and you want him to cut it to graduate. So I already have an issue with dress codes, period, because some yeah. stuff is so, like, I never understood <laughs> this, the strap thing at school. Especially, you know, all of us went to school in the South. Mm-hmm. And it's hot. And you telling me I can't wear a spaghetti strap. Sure. Or the straps have to be four inches across. And it's like, it's hot. I have a comment on that. Yeah. As a member of what I was told to be the Itty Bitty Titty Committee. I specifically, I specifically didn't understand the dress code because spaghetti strap, wide strap, nothing was going to be exposed. And I just <laughs> felt like that code did, should not have applied to me. Now, some of my more well-endowed friends, you know what I'm saying? Like, I understood where they were coming from because those poor straps struggled. <laughs> and it, <laughs> of that struggle 
you know, there was a little bit of exposure. That's too funny. So, but, but I don't think you should police the strap. Just put the onus on the individual to say, just make sure that, you know, nothing is falling out. Uh Don't give me a length requirement. Don't give me a type of strap. Just put the onus on the, the, the parents or the employer, you know, the employee to manage, you know, if you say no cleavage, then however you maintain no cleavage, that's how you maintain no cleavage. If you say no dark meat, however you keep that dark meat (laughs) intact, that's how you keep it intact. But I think that goes into like these companies or these like educational systems having to link a reason, like a purpose to the rule. Right. So if there is no purpose to the rule, then it's just like a do as I say. Like, just do this because we said to do this, you Mm -hmm. know, so like being able to say, well, let's talk about why cleavage isn't appropriate in an academic setting or in a business setting. Or let's talk about why this isn't appropriate as opposed to, no, you can't wear no, you know, you have to have straps that's four inches or it has to hit below the knee or whatever, you know, like there has to be a purpose. And a lot of these rules don't have a purpose. It's like April said, just something that's been going on for 30 years that hasn't been updated, that hasn't been reassessed, that hasn't really had a reason behind it. Or the purpose is just sexist as hell. Yeah. Because when you think of, if you look at the rules, especially like based by gender, so a whole lot of rules of what we can and cannot wear. And and then too, with the women's bodies, like even the idea of cleavage sometimes is like after a certain breast cup, you going to have cleavage regardless. And I'm not the largest but there are some tanks. I'm like, well, shoot, I'm not even trying. And it's, yeah. <laughs> you know, I got to put a camisole up under. And I so I'm like, if I have to wear a tank, I can't imagine, you know, someone's or larger size. And it's just like, no, it's and I'll get appropriate. It's subjective, um, especially by region. But that's yeah. another conversation. Um, <laughs> so I understand, like, having a code or a standard. Mm-hmm. But I think those standards should be aped, maybe fluid or at least assessed for bias around like body size and race and sexism and all that stuff. Um, and we got to start asking, well, well, why? Yeah. You know, like, why is this rule in place like around color? I mean, or just. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, I mean, thankfully, I work in higher ed, so they tend to be lax. So I'm probably so spoiled. Actually, I think I'm one of the more conservative dressers. I think that we're outside of like people like at the leadership level, of course. But yeah, Mm -hmm. I definitely push the dress code. (laughs) I don't know. If there, I'm, well, I take that back. I do know that there's a dress code. I have, I'm not gonna lie. I, honestly, I intentionally like to skirt those kinds of things. I'm a, I'm a skirter. I'm not a breaker. You know, I, I like to know what the rule is, and then slightly tip my toe, just kind of slide a little past it. Just to show, like, I'm I'm generally compliant, but I'm going to do a little bit of what I want to do. <laughs> you know, it's just, it's just, it's a mental thing for me. It's a mental yeah. thing for me. I recognize that. But, yeah, higher ed has made it very easy for me to, I won't even say skirt, just, like, completely just do what I want. <laughs> right. I'm going to yeah. miss I'm going to miss that a lot. Yeah, because it's pretty, pretty locked down in the government system. You know, it's certain stuff like no open toe shoes, like all of that stuff. Um, well, so you know, I- it doesn't pay me enough to follow the rules. So. <laughs> <laughs> 
That's a good answer. Good answer. Good answer. <laughs> All right. Well, let's, um, well, I guess we can wrap up the media topic of, you know, I like what April said about, you know, understanding that there, that there are going to be codes. Um, mm. And it's always important to be diligent about reassessing the codes and asking why they are there and just being um, being responsible when when these codes are set into place as far as like making sure that they don't they aren't mused in bias and sexism and racism and all the isms, classism, ageism, sizeism, all of it um, that we often um that, that are often present in a lot of the rules and the codes, especially when it comes to dress and especially when it comes to appropriateness. And I'm doing air quotes with appropriateness. <laughs> right. So, yeah. Um, so that moves us into this week's topic. Um, so last week we talked a lot about the art of making adult friends. And we were talking about just the difficulties that can come along with being a, an adult and trying to establish these close connections with friend groups and what that looks like. And we talked a little bit about our own personal difficulties along the way, like throughout our adult life. Um, and we ended on a really cool um, topic that I think will be good for us to talk a little bit more about this week, which was what happens when either we figure that we haven't been the best of friends um, or we've been in situations where our friends haven't always um, held their end of the bargain, I guess we could say, um, what happens in those cases. And so talking a little bit about like keeping adult friends, um, especially now because we have this cutoff culture of, you know, cutoff game is strong and you do something to me one time and then, you know, I cut you off completely and so just talking a little bit about like what it looks like to keep adult friendships, um, because sometimes that can be trying and difficult and um, it can have a lot of complexities as well. So I want to start off kind of where we left off last time with asking the question of have there been moments where we have found ourselves having a misstep in our friendships, like in our friend relationships, the place where we haven't been, I don't say not the best of friends, but where we've kind of messed up, where we've misstepped or where we dropped the ball. What have the, have you guys had those moments? And if so, like, how'd you bounce back from them? Mm. Huh. I think, I don't think I've had any major Momazoo's not to have been brought to my attention where I have made the misstep. Um, I think there have been times where I've had a friend say or bring to um, to the forefront that I was absent. And that was when like, oh, man, didn't realize that. Like, OK, thank you for bringing that to my attention. Now I need to do better around that. But it wasn't like a big knocked down, mm -hmm. out, I'm not talking to you type of thing. It was like the person said it, which I appreciate because that is a pet peeve of mine is someone having a problem with me or something I did and everybody know but me or I don't know or they tell me six months later and it's like, well, I can't do nothing about it. Now, now I'm upset. <laughs> um, I think the timeliness <clears throat> that they brought it to my attention, I think it helped it not become something bigger. Mm -hmm. Yeah. No, that makes sense. Um, being able to have like a moment of like, like a truth moment in a sense where your friend's like, hey, this is what's going on, you know? Right. Um, yeah. I. Oh, go ahead, Erica. You look like you're about to say something. <laughs> I mean, I'm I'm think I'm thinking. I mean, I've definitely. Well, I guess I haven't really had that. I don't think I've really had any major um, issues. I've definitely had like a rift 
in a relationship with a, you know, with one of my very close friends, one of my best friends. Um, and I think I've probably talked about it before. I don't remember if it was while we were recording or during our random musings prior to recording this show. So I apologize, listeners, if this is something that I've shared already. But, you know, I have had a, a situation where um, I used to tell <clears throat> I used to tell my best friend all the time. One of the things that I hate is being put on hold and then. 20 minutes later, I'm still on hold, which it's probably not literally 20 minutes, yeah. but it is longer than you clicking over and saying, hey, I'm on the other line. Is everything okay? Cool. I'm going to give you a call back in about 15 minutes. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. It takes no time to click over and do that. Or if you already assume that it's my, it's, could take a little bit longer than that. I am perfectly cool with you saying, oh, hey, this is so-and-so. Let me hit you back. Yeah. After, you know, so it had been, I don't know if it's just that day. I was just like in a space. And I will say around that time, I was having some hormonal imbalances going on. (laughs) And um, it was always like a, a point of, Tension. Maybe it wasn't a big thing for her, but it should have been because I used to say this constantly. <laughs> I even got to the point where I'm like, you're not allowed to put me on hold. If you have a beat, I'm hanging up. Like, I'm just going to hang up. Call me back because I'd rather hang up, stop the conversation, and you call me when you're free than to click over and leave me on hold forever and a day. I've been on hold so long, forgot my phone was even in a call. <laughs> You know, and I hear someone saying, hello, hello. I've walked away. I'm doing something else. Life is going on. And so, I don't know if just this day, like, I was just over it. I was done. And she said that it was, we were on the phone. She was in the grocery store. And she said, she told me, I'm going to call you back. I'm about to, like, check out or something. And I guess I didn't hear it. And so, I don't know, I guess I'm holding and then we click off the phone and I call back because I'm like, you know what? I am, I am tired of this. (laughs) I call back. I was just like, I don't even remember what I said, but all I know, whatever I said resulted in us probably not talking to each other for a good three months. Wow. It was really, it was really one of those things where I was like, okay, at some point this is going to have to resolve. Um, And the good thing is, you know, I think we both, we both kind of missed the relationship. I think I misinterpreted the situation. And I will absolutely say I overreacted. Um, and still being on hold is a point of contention in our relationship, but it's definitely not <laughs> to the level that it used to be. But it, it did require us, like, we actually had to do a sit-down face-to-face. We don't even live in the same city. Like, we had to come together. Yeah. And, and just, um, but I also feel like that gave us the opportunity to be open about other things that were going on um, or not to our expectation for our friendship and I feel like it helped us um you know have a better relationship now but that situation led to a three month rift in a relationship where we have been friends for almost probably more than 10 years yeah wow yeah I think one of the things that both of y'all like talked about was like that communication piece like whether it's you going to the person or whether the person comes to you and it's like, hey, this is kind of where I'm at with this situation and sitting down and having that space for communication um, instead of just being in a space of like, well, they should know why I'm mad. Like they should know, because I think oftentimes we get into or we can get into those spaces of, well, you should know me enough. You're my friend. You should know why I'm upset. Or, you know, I don't want to have to tell you why I'm upset. That's something you should already know. 
Um, and that can be problematic and like in friendships, you know, so I definitely I think that piece is something that sticks out for sure, like that communication piece. Um, I know for me, there have been instances where I where friends have said to me um, like, hey, you know, I've had the you're not present. You know, and that was mostly during grad school um, because physically I wasn't present. Mentally, I wasn't present. Emotionally, like I just could not be present um, in some of my relationships or some of my friendships. And then I've also had the um, like you've misstepped and you've hurt my feelings conversation with friends um, and having to like hear that, which is a difficult one to sit in because like you never want to intentionally hurt your friend. And so to hear that is really rough. Um, And so I think in both of those instances, that communication piece on my end of listening, right, because we often think communication is just talking. So the Mm -hmm. communication part of listening and being able to kind of take in and hear um, the side of the story that you may not know or you may think you know, but you don't know the whole story, that's something that has been really, really beneficial in like coming back from or keeping those friendships going, um, keeping those relationships open and, and moving in a sense. Yeah. I think, I think you brought up a really good point about the listening part. Um, because I've, I've witnessed, um, Friend, I've witnessed friends that have been friends for a long time end, completely end, you know, a relationship. And one of the things that I think bothers me is when you're not willing to, where you want to be heard and you want to be understood where you're coming from, and but you're not willing to try and understand the other person's point of view. And and this makes me think of how the cutoff culture is so problematic because, um, you know, you may get, find yourself at a rift and then you just want to say, this is what you did. This is how you hurt me. These are the expectations that I had. You didn't meet the expectations. I'm good. We're done. Boom. Mm-hmm. And I've seen that and, you know, even if I'm not in it, it's it's really sad, you know, yeah. to, because you see whole friendships that have been, you know, present and strong for years go down the drain because someone is hurt. Um, but they're not willing to do the work to mend or to try to understand. Yeah. I think you be willing to say this is where I am but I need to at least try to understand where this person is coming from especially if you know it's not malicious um or no you know any kind of ill intent around how that person hurt you yeah like the onus is on both parties mm-hmm. not necessarily the onus is on both parties saying that oh you know one person, like both of y'all are good or both of y'all are wrong, but like when mending the hurt, when mending the relationship, the onus yeah. has to be on yeah. both parties. Right. I think with that piece, though, there has to be a step in between the hurt and the mending. Like, I think there has to be an intentional, like, okay, we are intentionally mending. Mm-hmm. Um, Otherwise, it is going to be the person who is hurt is going to remain in that hurt. And the person who did the hurt is going to feel like, well, they're not listening. It's like, well, it's, I don't know if it, if it was Sarah who said it. And it might have been in her own air conversation or not. She often talks about um, like the whole sitting in the shitty diaper mm-hmm. thing. And that when you have hurt someone, you can't dictate the time that they have to get over that. Or what that's supposed to look like. So I think that's the hard part because nobody wants to think that they've hurt somebody they care about. So you want them to be okay so that y'all can be okay. 
Yeah. And it's like, well, no, you need to listen to me. You know, I'm not, you know, I didn't mean to do that. You know, and it's like, yeah, but you got to let them, whatever they got to do to navigate through that, you got to give them that space to it. And then together have a conversation of what do we need to do to mean? But I don't yeah. think jump from like offense to mending without some type of acknowledgement of, okay, this is what we're going to have to do to get to that place. Otherwise you rush it. And yeah. then you go six months down the line, the person going to blink wrong mm. and they're going to see, see you didn't it's like up oh, cause they weren't over it. it was so, never yeah. Yeah. And I think it comes from like, like you said, nobody wants, and I always say nobody wants to be the villain in the story, right? right. So nobody right. is the villain in their own story. And so when you are the one who, I guess, the one who hurt, you don't want to, it's hard to sit with that. And it's oh. hard to sit in a space to say like, wow, whether it's intentional or unintentional, I hurt someone who is really close to me. Like there's a lot of like guilt and shame that comes along with that. And, you know, guilt and shame is a really, really difficult emotion to sit with um, mm -hmm. because it makes you feel stuck as opposed. Right. So you're kind of prompted to be like, oh, I don't want to be stuck. Let me do something. Let me make it better. Let me mend it. Let me move it along. Yeah. And it does take a space for like you don't get to say, well, we've talked about this for two weeks. You should be fine. Like you, you don't get to be the one to extend the timeline. So let me ask a question because I'm, I'm listening and I'm processing through what you're saying. And I just, I had a thought. So what if, so people, you know, let's say someone is like, I am, um, you know, I feel hurt by this person. Um, I think I need to, you know, I'm experiencing my hurt. I want to cut them off, but what if it, what if the person who is experiencing the hurt is the one who has created that? So, and you, you want to be, you want to be, you want to be sensitive to the fact that they're feeling hurt. <clears throat> but what if it, what if it's the individual who's hurt who sh needs to take responsibility in that a lot of the hurt that they are, I guess, saying is being imposed upon them by other people is really self-created, like they created the situation. Mm -hmm. Kind of like Nene on um, Housewives. <laughs> yes. Yes. <laughs> and I say that because on Sunday when April came over, I was watching like a marathon of Atlanta Housewives. And I said I was doing research for this episode on how to not be on how to be a not good friend. And mm -hmm. oftentimes that scenario and not just with Nini, it's a couple of them on the episode where it's like they have, they're hurt. And, you know, the hurt is what the hurt is. They're experiencing it. It's valid. But oftentimes the hurt spawns from a situation that was self-created. Yes. And so, yeah. And so what to do in those situations? That's what you're asking. Yeah, you know, because, you know, and, and it made me think about that because, um, you know, April brought up a really good point. April, you brought up a really good point about, um, you know, you want to make sure that a person has time, you know, they, they indicate that this is, I'm hurt. This is, you know, what happened. I need time to heal and we need to come together to mend. But sometimes the person who's created the situation, they don't feel like they need to do anything as part of the mending because they're attributing all of this on someone else. And they have a large portion 
of responsibility in their own hurts. Well, I think then that would be up to the two people involved mm-hmm. to discuss. Um, because I think you have to be very careful with saying, um, well, you're hurt, but because once that but comes in, you have just. It's not, it's, it's not a but. Like, no one is, is denying that you're hurt. But it's really hard to try to come together in men if that other person isn't recognizing their own contribution to the problem within that. That's where the communication comes Uh in. Because then, but it's also, I think, a timing piece of that as well. And all of it, I don't know, like, is. I try to stay away from hypotheticals because it's very easy because I, I tend to need like, give me concrete examples, not hypotheticals, but like abstract examples or whatever. Um, because I think it depends on the situation, the offense, the, there's so many other variables, but I think regardless, that's the communication piece. Like a lot of things, whether it's romantic relationship or platonic are co-created, like very few situations are a result of one person mm-hmm. so most i mean very if anything you know as a result of one person so risks are co-created is not a result of just this one thing that happened it's a series of events now right. the thing i do with trauma victims is we do the responsibility pie right now, mm-hmm. that person who is hurt may have a piece how big is their piece compared to the offender right that's again that communication piece so it's not a matter of well like i think the way that that conversation is framed is what makes a difference because if it comes off as a well you created this situation like that's why i was like i would need like concrete examples because that would i think depend so like if i use the example with my friend and i um who said i was absent Yes, she she was right. Now, I can think of ways that, well, I remember times when I said, well, give me a date and I'll come visit. And they didn't. So I could easily like, well, you didn't make it easy. But at the end of the day, I still didn't try hard enough. I didn't do I didn't give nearly what she was giving in that. So even though I could pick out how she kind of contributed even when I look at the bigger picture, I still, to me, bore more of that responsibility because it, at the end of the day, it was me who did not show up mm-hmm. and staying vice versa. So, yeah, there are aspects of it that was co-created. Some scheduling was off. Sometimes I didn't know about certain things. But even when I think about it, I'm like, yeah, no, you you didn't do you didn't do enough. Yeah. Uh, so that's what, like, I, it to me, it depends on the situation and the offense and so many, I don't know, a lot of the variables. And I think it also depends on, like, because sometimes we can't see the forest for the trees. So we get caught up in, like, the exact, like, the the situation like you didn't do this one thing or this two thing or three thing and so we're trying to fix the the one thing the two thing the three thing instead of just being able to be like oh you're hurt how can we mend this how can we move past this like what do we do moving forward Instead of being lost in the trees and staying in the past, because what's yeah. done has been done. What hasn't been done hasn't been done. There's not really you can't do anything to undo anything. And right. so sometimes I think in those situations where the person is just holding on to the hurt is because sometimes we get lost in the in the forest because um, we're stuck in these situations as opposed to saying okay, I understand. I'm taking responsibility. I want us to be able to move forward. Do you want us to be able to move forward? And if so, what can we do to actually get going in the right direction? You know, because I think a lot of people want penance, 
And it's like, well, I can't undo the fact that I that this happened or I can't Mm -hmm. go back in time and change that. But this is the moment that we have now. How do we move forward with it? You know? Mm -hmm. Yeah. I know one thing is really I think it's really hard to talk about, like breakdown in friendships because we don't really focus much on it. Like we talk a lot about like breakups, like in romantic relationships or even like distance from family relationships. But oftentimes, because even like with us at the beginning, it was kind of like, um, has there been a time? There's been a couple, but has it, you know, we don't really talk much about like breakdowns that happen in friendships um and they do happen i think they happen to everyone at some point you know do y'all and i want to say like why do you think that is but like do you like have thoughts on why we don't talk much about like breakdowns and friendships and what that looks like i think we do i think we talk about it in the way what you said before the cutoff culture we don't talk about it like we don't talk about it as um, articulately as we talk about relationship breakdowns. So I think there's space to talk about like, oh, we had a breakup. Come over. We're going to, you know, go through his Facebook. and But you don't have that when there's a breakup of a friendship. So I don't think there's a lot of language around it, even though it happens. Like, Because otherwise you wouldn't see a post every New Year's about, you know, who I'm cutting off. In 2020, that's a breakdown of a friendship. Or yes. mm-hmm. back because these haters, that's a breakdown of a friendship. Like we don't talk about it in the same way. I like that. That's true. Yeah, yeah. And I know. So I think oftentimes it's hard to have those spaces where it's like, well, let's sit down and talk about the breakdown in a friendship because oftentimes you're or in situations where some of my friendships have broken down, I've been, instead of being like, oh man, like that's really difficult. I've been shamed for it. Like, well, you should try harder. Like, this is your friend. This is your ride or die. Like, how dare you walk away? How dare you call it quits? How dare you move on? And I think oftentimes that caused me in those situations to just kind of shut down and be like, I'm going to deal with it on my own, you know? Um, So that has been an experience for why it's been like, it has made it difficult at times to talk about like breakdown in friendships because it isn't treated the same way as a a relationship breakup, you know, where people are like, Oh girl, let's go out to eat. Let's have a drink. You know, it's more of like that shame. Yeah. Your decision is usually not supported Mm -hmm. or, once you're finally like, it looks like this is not going to be something that can be resolved, especially when there are other friends that are part of or connected to um, that friendship. Yeah. Want to help you salvage that, you know, just like you said, you know, if it's a relationship breakup. People are like, are we about to like help you move on from this? The boys are like, you know, you know, we about to go out, whatever. But really, but friendship risks, you know, because there's other people who do feel like they're involved in that relationship, especially if they're part of a friend group. You know, sometimes your decision is not respected or supported. And there are other friends who are part of that friend group who, you know, maybe well intended will try to push for you to salvage something. Um when it really is, it's still a dyad, right? Mm-hmm. No matter how many people are in that friend group, that relationship between those two people is a dyad. And those two people are the ones who get to make the decision on whether they're going to resolve or mend or talk or communicate. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and I think, again, something that we talked about once before is this idea that the communication happens one time, the hurt can still linger no matter how many times you communicate about it. And how how willing are you to continue to engage 
um, while you're going through the mending process. Yeah. Yeah. I like that. Okay. Whether I think dynamic that's different from relationships is you're not sleeping with your friends. True. So, well, not, okay, well, I mean, we talking about real friends, not these, not FWBs. Right. <laughs> <laughs> and there is a, a layer that physical and romantic relationships add to things that, that further complicates and why, you know, it is harder to break, break that than with, um, and in friendships, I think I've seen that before. Like, y'all quick to da-da-da, but you will run up behind. Like, yeah, because like that type of love makes you stupid. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's not really there. You know, you don't have that that agape, not agape, but that like super eros type situation yeah. type love that makes you kind of irrational. Um, but I think, too, part of what makes it difficult is because it's different, I think it touches like the attachment is closer, which makes the vulnerability a little bit more. Um, And because there are not a lot of spaces as adults, maybe to have that conversation. I feel like with, when you're younger, especially when it's a group, like your group would get you together and make you, you know, figure it out, you know, whereas an adults, mm, not so much, or sometimes just physically you can't, um, so I think those dynamics change. And also, as you get adult, you get older, you have competing priorities. Yeah. Sometimes it's just you got a bill that you that's on your mind right now. So this can't this is not the priority. And in although still valid and important, that can further dissolve an already yeah. shaky situation. Sure. So I, I feel like that intentional piece of like you at, in adulthood when we talk, I mean, we talked about in that last episode about being intentional about friendships. You also have to be intentional about um, the repairing of the, yeah. of the, the mess and like walking through the mess and, and all of that stuff. I was sharing when we were, I think we thought we were going to record I had a uh, a situation with one of my line sisters who I'm super close with. And although I am not apologetic for what I said, I had to call her because I knew what I said to her hurt her. Mm-hmm. Valid and kind of what we said before, it's kind of that thing of like that responsibility pie all over again. Like her response was a direct result of what I did. Mm-hmm. And... I don't want that to be a cause for us to have issue, even if I feel like, well, yeah, but you kind of put it out there. I still was the one who took it to the step that it that it got there. So we had to talk it out and we had to come to an understanding like, OK, well, this is where I was coming from. This is where you were coming from. And I remember initially I was like, man, whatever. I We grown. I'm not about to, you know, I'm not behind it. And I was like, no, because we are grown, I got to have this conversation because I know my words caused pain. Mm-hmm. It was a swallow that pride and swallow that ego moment yeah. and have this phone call and we're going to have it out. We're not going to do, uh-huh. you know, subtle messages. We're not bringing all everybody else into it. We're going to have this conversation. So, yeah. Yeah, because I think that is the part, you know, where you have to, like, think about, well, what is my responsibility in this? Like, where, what, like, what, what responsibility do I hold in the rift, you know? Um, and it's, it oftentimes it's not about a right or wrong, you right. know, sometimes it's not about who's right, who's wrong, who said it best, who said it worse. It's that responsibility. Is this person hurt? This person who I consider a friend, who I who I know, who I trust, you know, is are they hurt? And what is my responsibility in that hurt? You know, um, and I think oftentimes we get into the well, I wasn't wrong or right. this person. was, you know, I didn't say it intentionally. What I didn't try to hurt them, you know, and it's like, OK, well, they are hurt like this is what's there. So mm-hmm. what responsibility do you hold? And then what action 
are you going to take in that responsibility? Mm-hmm. So, yeah. Nice. So, yeah. what are some, like, takeaways for handling these these risks um, when we're talking about adult relationship? Um, yeah, what are some things that we want the listeners to kind of take away from this conversation about adult relationships and mending those those relationships when there have been issues? I think you got to remember that people are human. Um, and like, it's actually, it's a mindful exercise in communication or, or like it's how to deal with stressful communication mindfully. And one of the questions on there is, did the, per- did, did the person intend to hurt you? Mm-hmm. And it's a question that I used to hate. Cause I'm like, yeah, they may. Yes. Yep. <laughs> And then by the time you get to the end, you're like, no, that asshole did not mean to do it or, but it's, <laughs> but it's that acknowledgement of did this person intend to do and no intention does not erase impact, but I think it, it, it makes you not think like, oh, that person did that because they're a bad person versus that person made a mistake. Like I make mistakes. So I think that's a big takeaway is recognizing the human and people, but also just owning when you have hurt someone, the end. Yeah. 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 Um, I think for me, a takeaway is noticing when there is a rift and engaging it as soon as possible. Um, Because I think oftentimes with like, like friendship breakdowns we think it's gonna be like that big dramatic we can't sit in the same room we can't stand each other type of rift and sometimes it's just distance like you don't have the same level of communication you don't have the same level of trust or the same level of understanding and Mm -hmm. noticing that as soon as possible whether, you know, regardless of what the cause is and then taking the step to like proactively communicate it to your friends um, and being able to kind of talk about, hey, I've noticed this. Have you noticed it? And then what can we do? You know, what's the action plan? And the action plan could be we wait (laughs) a minute and then we figure out how to take steps forward or change or figure out what's going on um but like that noticing communicating and being proactive is a takeaway that i think is important and i'm gonna leave those takeaways right there where they are because i think those were great and i'm not gonna add anything new to that so (laughs) i'm cool with Um, that was a good segment. I feel like we could do a part three. Yeah, man. We can always talk about friendships because I, I, I think that friendships have who had a rift. Yeah. Uh, I said it'd be nice to have, you know, friends that had like a rift or have a major rift and figure out like how they're working through that, how they have worked through it or ways that they can work through it if they haven't. Yeah. yeah. You know, it's funny because I don't think it would... Go ahead. I said we're accepting the rift. Yeah. I honestly don't think it's th- that part, what you just said, is it much different, any different than like couples therapy or... Right. Like, I think so. you, the same steps Yeah. are yeah. kind of outside of sex. I mean, (laughs) you know, it's still intimacy, still rebuilding trust is still um, Mm -hmm. or at some point acknowledging that, you know what, maybe this is the end. Um, Mm -hmm. I know this is a part, but that's another component is like letting friendships die out. So Mm -hmm. while I have not had many rifts, I definitely have had friendships that we both just outgrew. Like. 
whether it was from, you know, high school or childhood, or just we were friends because we were in the same department. And then and it just, it, it, it feels is. Uh, yeah. Yeah. And I, so when the offense occurred, it was like, I don't even got the energy to fight for this. Like, <laughs> like we can, we can go on, go on our separate ways. Yeah. Definitely had relationships like that that just fizzle, you know? And I think in those spaces, just being able to notice that it happens, like it's natural, you know, for relationships to drift. And because I think sometimes we try to hold on to it, you know, and it's awkward, it's artificial, it's not real. You're like having these like update phone calls and not really talking, you know, it's just, it's just weird, you know? And so being able to know that like friends, friendships drift and sometimes they don't drift together. Sometimes Mm -hmm. they drift apart and that's okay. That is okay. You know? Yeah. yeah. So that was an extra takeaway. That's that's gonna be that's, Erica's, Erica's takeaway. Yeah. <laughs> that's Erica's takeaway. <laughs> so now let's take it on to. Uh, is there anything, anyone out there you want to send your love to? Does something good happen this week? Somebody make you smile. Anybody make you smile this week? Oh, did I smile this week? <laughs> I'm sure you did. (laughs) I know. Always smiling. I'm trying to replay my week. Um, So um, one thing, one thing that made me smile, one person that made me smile was, um, and I always say the same thing, but like getting back into the gym after the holiday season and like having people come back that were like away on holidays and stuff like that. And realizing that, oh, you really have like these bonds with like your gym mates. Um I know last time we talked about just like different types of friends. Um, And I really admire some of the like friendships or the gym ships that I have made at my gym, James Patrick Fitness and Wellness. Shout out. Hey, boo. Um, So, yeah. So they like seeing them come back after the holidays and like hearing everybody's story and struggling with everybody because we all on the struggle bus right now coming back into the gym. Like that's made me smile. Like that's been something that I want to send my love out to those people. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Eric ain't got no love. I got lots of love. I got lots of love. I was talking to Shari earlier today about, um, you know, just how today was a, a good day at work. You know, it's just come out of a meeting where we we're talking about, you know, some stuff related to, you know, teaching and working. And then, you know, I, I go to class and I teach my class and I had some students you know, wait after and say, I just wanted to let you know, I love this class. Like, you're like really interested in this topic. And sometimes, you know, especially after you've taught the same class over and over and over again, like you kind of lose your zest for it. And um, it's just kind of nice to hear, especially the minds that, that you're responsible for shaping in the semester that you have them that there are some out there who are actually really valuing what you're doing um, and really getting something out of it. So I'm going to send my love to my, my students for this semester who are, you know, appreciate me and those who don't appreciate me yet, but they will. Um, I will send my love out to um, the amazing food and culture of New Orleans. Um, <laughs> and special shout out to this black owned restaurant, Neo's Creole Cuisine. Um, it was just an amazing, amazing meal. The service was great. 
our waiter, I mean, he hooked us up with, gave us the right recommendations. And he was just really cool. And I love New Orleans accent. I swear it sounds like I don't child. I'll be in trouble. Um, and the service was great. He was super friendly. It was so funny because just the night before we had went to this super fancy overpriced restaurant and the service sucked. Uh, My food was underrated. And then we go to Neo's and the food was amazing. Drinks were great. Conversation was amazing at the table. Um, and I just, I love to eat. If y'all can tell I'm a foodie and I just love having a good food experience. So it's not just about the food being good, but just the person bringing the food, the person engaging in, you know, the tips they give you on what, how to eat it and what's the best thing. Girl, I had this praline pound cake. Let me send my love out to the chef who created the praline pound cake. Um, It was amazing. So my love goes out to the food of New Orleans um, and also to anybody who ever had to deal with me hungry because I realized over the weekend I am not nice when I'm hungry. (laughs) And I my roommates used to tease me about it. And now I'm like, oh, ooh, yeah. I don't think I've ever seen you when you are hungry. Because I try not to get to that point. Because if I'm hungry and something is preventing me from getting, like, usually if I'm hungry, I'm on my way to get food. Right. Situation where something is preventing me, like a meeting Mm. or an unexpected drop in. Oh, oh, it's Dr. Jekyll and Mrs. Hyde. So <laughs> I, I caught a glimpse of myself at this conference in hangry mode. Uh-huh. And I was like, in a, and I had to go, yeah, let me, I just need to leave. I just mm. have to, because I am not my best self. So <laughs> I love to them, to those people who have, I apologize. I'm sorry. Hope that wasn't a cause of any rifts. I was probably just hungry. <laughs> right. Like, that's just the answer to all the rifts. I was probably just hungry. Mm-hmm. I was hungry. Forgive me. I was hungry. <laughs> well, thank y'all. Thank you, ladies, for um, talking a little bit about some of y'all friendships today. Um, we're going to go ahead and sign out. This concludes this episode. Thank you guys for listening. If you have made it this far, we appreciate you. Um, definitely check us out on all social media. So we're on Instagram and Facebook. You can find us at three Sykes and a mic, the number three Sykes and a mic. Um, also check us out on um no, I said Facebook. If you would like to email us, feel free to do so at three psychs and a mic at gmail.com. On any listening platform that you are checking us out on, please make sure to like, follow, or subscribe to us. Recommend us to other people. We're so grateful for all of our listeners, and we just want everybody to feel the love. So send us out to everyone that you know, and we will be back to kick it with y'all next week. So. Bye. Bye. Yeah. Bye.